this morning, uh, we have a special speaker, spe a very special person for Otter Creek. You may remember that back at the, in October, when we started our class back, that Gail spoke the first Sunday, and she talked about the Wayne Reed Center, and she talked about the Tennessee uh, Children's Home. And when class was over, Jeff Adcock came up and said, I spent, what, four or five years, four years? When I was a child, I lived at the Tennessee Children's Home, and we were like, hey, will you tell your story? And he said, yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell my story. So we have, that quarter was kind of filled up, so we're, we're kicking off this, this uh, quarter here in the first of February with Jeff telling his story. Jeff is retired from FedEx. He um, is the wrestling coach at Brentwood Academy, has been for 20 plus years. Um, I asked Mike Runzey, I said, you know, I, I know Jeff, but I don't really know him that well. Tell me about, tell me something about Jeff Adcock. And he said, when we do, he said, I always think about Jeff. When we do the men's breakfast, he's in there doing all the work. And you go in and you say, what can I help you do? And he says, I got it. Y'all just go enjoy it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. He said, he does, anything he does, he does 95% of the work. He'll only let you help him a little bit. He just, he just wants to serve people. So. At camp, he's over the water facilities, and all the children who go to camp know all about Jeff and Coach Jeff and what, what all he does there. He's an elder here at Otter Creek, um, and he is someone that we are blessed to have at Otter Creek. He said that he and Dawn came. Their first Sunday was Josh's first Sunday. So they've been here for a while. I don't think they're planning on going anywhere, or we, at least we hope not. And we look forward to hearing what has, Jeff has to say this morning. Good morning. She's already told half my story. So. <laughs> this is just a cheat sheet of names because as our age, we start to get a few things. And I took a couple of classes when I was a few years at MTSU. I think that was or UT Martin, one or the other. And it was a speech class. And the teacher told us that you had to have a few props to keep the attention of the people in there. So I've got a few props that I will share with you in this paper. <laughs> My wife is scared to death right now. <laughs> she has no idea what's going to come out my mouth, and she is scared. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'll start from the beginning. I was born at Baptist Hospital here in Nashville, and now it's Midtown, St. Thomas Midtown. 1955, and my mother was 19 years old. She had married a man from Louisiana. He was in Special Forces at Fort Campbell. He was stationed there. And then so the, my first year, my name, well, when I was born, my name was Robert Jefferson Fizette, F-I-S-E-T-T-E. -T -T and it's French Canadian. And his parents were, they were Cajuns from Louisiana. And then uh, so he was in Special Forces at Fort Campbell. And it must have been six months after I was born, we got on a ship and sailed to Germany. And we lived the first four, my first four years of life was in Germany. I had two brothers that were born there. And then on the way back, we went over on a ship and we came back on a ship. And on the way back, I fell off the counter and I knocked out 
these front four teeth. Well, these were what the United States government made for me <laughs> at Fort Campbell. So at the time, they said, my, my mom tells me this, but your mom tells you all kind of stories too, <laughs> that these were the smallest false teeth ever made at that time. So I still have these little things. <laughs> so that's one of my props. But so we came back on the ship. And then we lived in Fort Campbell on a base in a barracks with uh, three, four hundred other people that lived on the barracks too. And then, so I remember one morning I got up and this is, I was, I was five years, I was starting five or six years old at the time. I'd started kindergarten there in Fort Campbell. And I saw a skunk and I thought it was a cat. I didn't know what it was. So I began to chase it. I chased it for probably 30 minutes. And I probably got hit two or three times by that stuff, <laughs> not realizing what I smelled like. Because boys, we don't, it doesn't, you don't smell nothing. You know, so I get back to the house, and before I even walk in the door, my mother has pitched, picked up a butcher knife and grabs me and pulls me in the backyard and starts cutting my clothes off of me. I'm standing out, butt naked, out here, and then she takes me and jerks me upstairs and throws me in the bathtub and pours tomato juice all over me like that. But I, I must have stunk pretty bad. It was a bad thing. But it was just some of the little things that we did there at the barracks and stuff like that. And then my father, I didn't see him much. I think he was gone a lot. I don't remember much of that. But then, so we moved to a house in Clarksville. And I started going to public school there. And um, about two years, so I was just going into the third grade. There's something happened one night and I heard my mom whimpering. So there was, my, I had a little sister born at that time too. So there was four of us, four children, my mom and dad, and um, we lived in a two bedroom, one bathroom house, which was basically the most formats for homes at that time. And I got up and there's the three brothers, we were living, we were in one bedroom. And then my little sister was in the bedroom with my mom and dad. And I get up and I, I go in there and her door is propped open a little bit and I pushed it open and I said, Mom, are you okay? And I, she turned around and she was bleeding from her mouth. And she said, your father hit me. So that was, uh, the thing what hurt worse than anything was that he hit her, but she, I climbed out the window, went next door, had the neighbor call the police climbed back in the window and then was listening when the police came. And when they knocked on the door, she went to the door and they said, I could hear the officer say, and it's crazy the little things you remember, but I remember him saying, is everything okay? And she said, yes, sir. And he said, okay. And you gotta think about that this is, this is in the 60s, the early 60s, and things like that. And then family problems and stuff, the police really didn't consider much about that. You took care of your own problems in your houses and at that time. So, but the next thing I remember is we're in the Tennessee Orphans Home. Okay. How I got there was the Granny White Church of Christ, my great-grandfather, went there. And this is where Jefferson came into our lives. And 
his name was Jefferson Davis. His great, his, no, his grandfather was the original Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy. So Jefferson, his name was Jefferson Davis. My name was Robert Jefferson Fazette. My son's name is Jefferson Charles Adcock. And then his son's name is Tyler Jefferson Adcock. So the Jefferson is still in there. So, but he was going to Granny White Church of Christ over by Lipscomb. And he was able to get us in to the Tennessee Orphans Home. So at this time, my name is Fazette. I'm in the Tennessee Orphans Home. My two brothers are with me and my sister is with me. Now I'll tell you about the Tennessee Orphans Home. It is dorms that made a horseshoe round. In the middle of it was a huge pasture, huge field that had buttercups that would bloom in the spring through there. And then there was a huge bell up by the cafeteria and it was up on the very end. And then there was a farm and there was cattle. We raised uh, milk cattle, dairy cattle, and things like that. And then I worked, I'll tell you the story about it, I worked in the chicken house. And I'll tell you about that like that. So when I first got there, they put us, the three brothers together, and then that the boys were on one side of the cafeteria, circled around this way, then the girls' dorms went the other way. There was probably 300 of us there at the time, about 150 boys, about 150 girls. And it was broken up into babies, little boys, and then medium-sized boys, and then big boys. And the big boys basically worked the farm, the dairy cattle, we had pigs, dairy cattle, things like that, and they all worked. Everybody on at the home worked. You had a job to do, but you got paid for it. Every Saturday morning, we had breakfast together in the cafeteria, the whole home, and you got a dime and a nickel. And then the nickel had to go into church the next day, so you got to keep the dime that you had. So in Spring Hill, there was a little, where, a little hardware store there. So every now and then, you would get up enough money, and you can go to the hardware store and buy fish and tackle or candy or whatever you wanted to do and stuff like that. So when I got there, I was in the little boys with my two brothers. Well, in a week or uh, two or three weeks or something, they moved me from the little boys to the medium-sized boys. And then they stayed there together. And at the time, I was in the third grade, and my youngest, next youngest brother was in the first grade. Well, my name, as I said, was Jeff Fazette. So we went to the Spring Hill, uh, Spring Hill High School, which had elementary, I mean, it had kindergarten all the way through the 12th grade there. There was a cafeteria, which was the gymnasium, and it was underneath it. And then so... You would, uh, you would eat lunch under there and stuff like that. And then from the orphan's home, it was probably a half a mile walk. And we walked up a hill, and the whole orphan's home would, all the kids that were in school would walk up the hill and then go to the school. So I was in the third grade. On the way down, when, after we got our first report card when I was there, I was looking at my report card. Another boy was walking beside me, and he looked over at my report card, and he said, isn't that funny? 
your name is Jeff with two F's, and then your last name is Fazet with an F. You got three F's on your name, and you got three F's on your report card. <laughs> so I, I couldn't help myself, but I beat him up. So. <laughs> but so my third year wasn't a very good year, so I had to repeat the third grade in school. And then my brother Joe was the same way. His first grade at Spring Hill wasn't a good year either. So we both repeated. So that put him in the same grade as my brother Jimmy. So they weren't twins. They were just in the same grade from <coughs> the first grade all the way till they graduated. So that's the orphan's home that way. Okay, now put the church involved in it. Spring Hill Church of Christ was across, uh, I think it's, is it 31 or 49, I think, whatever it is, the main highway that runs through Spring Hill. And it was across the highway, and then the orphan's home set up on the hill. And every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, we all trucked across that highway, and we went into the church, and we had church service, we had Sunday school classes and everything else. But I was in a place I really, really didn't know how I got there. I didn't know what I was doing there. So it really wasn't one of the things that I was excited about. So, but if you were sick, you had to go to church. And if you were, you just spent time there. So that's, we headed to church, okay? We all got baptized, I think, when we were 10 years old. Everybody did the same thing and stuff like that. But. One of the neat things about this was we would, there was a, about 15 boys and 15 girls, and they would take us on Sunday, we would memorize Bible verses. Every afternoon we would stand up and memorize Bible verses, memorize Bible verses. And then on Sundays, there was a group of uh, male, a, a mom and dad, and they would take us to different churches in the mid-state area. And we would get up and go say Bible verses at the church, and then they would, their, the, the ties that were tied that day would send it back with us on the bus. And so, and then, but afterwards, they would do dinner on the ground. And you talk about dinner on the ground, man. It was the fried chicken. Oh, my goodness. And the fudge pies. Oh, man. I, we slept most of the way back because we were so full from eating and stuff like that. But then, so we did that on Sundays and things like that. Well, one Sunday, we were traveling through Nashville over by the, well, eventually was going to be Percy Priest Dam. They were building the dam there. Smith Springs Church of Christ sat in vicinity where the lake was going to be. So they had to take that building, they tore that building down, and then they, Smith Springs built another church up about a mile and a half, two miles up Smith Springs Road. Well, we were driving through that area before they had flooded it, where it was still just Stones River running through there, and they had built the dam, building the dam, and uh, they were gonna flood that, so they cut all the trees down, cut all, pulled all the barns down, and all the houses and everything that was gonna be in the lake. So we drove through that, and it looked like an atom bomb had gone off. It was just, it was really scary looking because there was no trees, no houses, no nothing. Well, the crazy thing about it is, I will tell you in my story a little longer, that that Smith Springs Church of Christ is where Dawn and I met God. 
at the New Springs, Smith Springs Church of Christ. And I'll tell you that as we get into our story there, that part of the story. But so the orphan's home wasn't as bad it was as everybody thinks it was. We got to go to the Shrine Circus every year. We went to church camp two weeks every summer, and it was, um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the state park that we went to, but we would, it had a lake on it. We got to fish, we got to swim in the lake, things like that. So the orphan's home basically was where I was. I, I met my first sense of death there. The, uh, the buildings were heated up with furnaces that burned coal. So there was a coal chute, and this was one cold Sunday morning, and the coal truck had backed, was trying to back up and was hitting a sidewalk, and he couldn't get over the sidewalk. And well, there was a young man that was helping shovel the coal, was going to step down off the truck, and as he did, the truck caught hold of the sidewalk and pinched his leg up against the wall. Well, you couldn't see any blood bleeding from the outside or anything like that. No one knew what had happened to him because he was by himself back there when he pinched him against the wall. So they knocked. I was in the kitchen washing dishes like I've always been. They knocked on the window and said, you need to call an ambulance or something. He's been hurt. So the, the parents of the home called an ambulance. I went outside, and he was, he was laying there, and nobody knew exactly what was wrong. And he was bleeding from this main artery out of his leg, and he bled to death right there. And it was the first time I really experienced death like that. And it was, it was a hard thing. The home was, it was, it was a pretty close place where most of it was. But, and then so life went on, and my mom would come on the weekends and visit us, and um, when we would walk, plus. A friend of mine, I made a friend, and you make friends there. And a lot of thing about it is you have, you have a lot of boys that are together. And we had one parent that took care of, let's say, almost, almost 40 boys because we had two <coughs> floors of bedrooms, and so we had about 20 boys living on the top floor and about 20 boys living on the bottom floor. And then um, the big, the bigger boys, there weren't as many there and then the baby boys there weren't as many there so we had the most so when you get 40 boys together a lot of things happen boys are, kind of, <laughs> boys are crazy and they love to fight so there was a fight every day somewhere and then there was there was people who just wanted to see fights so they would intimidate you and your best friend to fight so you and your best friend would fight so one day my best friend and I Jerry we got into a well we didn't get into a fight we started fighting and then when the bell rung for the, for the cafeteria for us to go eat we headed back up there and stuff and the next morning we were sitting at church and his face let me see I was left-handed so his right side of his face was bruised and mine the right side of my face was bruised and we sat there in church together and it was just it was like that but that was life at that time so my mom okay that's you can ask some more stories about the orphans home when I get off into the story. Okay, so my mom remarried, and um, he came down to the orphans home and met us. And at this point in my life, my main focus is survival because I've been through a lot, and 
I didn't know what the next day was going to hold. I mean, I didn't know how long I was going to be in the orphan's home. Nobody does when you get there. And uh, so he came down, and he, he married my mom. And his name was Homer Adcock, and he was from Fairview, Tennessee. He grew up in a um, planked home with a fire, uh, fire pit, I mean, a, a, fire, a stove in the main room and a stove in the kitchen. A well that was drilled, I mean, that was outside. They hauled their water inside. There was an outhouse, and he grew up in that. He, he I don't think he sat on a toilet until he finally went to school in the sixth grade and things like that. But he was real country, mm -hmm. and he taught me a lot about life on nature part of life. And then so when he married my mom, our names, he took went to court and adopted all four of us, changed our names to Adcock. And that's why my name is Robert Jefferson Adcock now. But he adopted all of us and took us out. And he was a good man. But I didn't tell you this either. My first father was a true alcoholic. And Homer was an alcoholic too. So I grew up in an alcoholic home. And um, the thing about it was, you look at, at this time, I'd been in the orphan's home for four years, so I was coming out, getting ready to go into the sixth grade. So the sixth grade, I went to Glendale Elementary School. The seventh grade, I went to Overton, when Overton was still seventh through twelfth. Okay, the next year, they changed Overton to sophomore, junior, and senior year, only three classes. So there was 1,200 students there, so there was 400 students and each class, and that's, but, so I went to Glendale in the sixth grade, Overton in the seventh grade, then I went to McMurray in the eighth and ninth grade, then I went to Overton back in the sophomore, junior, and senior, so it kind of started stabilizing at that time. And um, so I went to um, Overton and McMurray, different schools like that. And my dad, he, every Sunday, every weekend, we would go hunting or fishing somewhere. So I learned a lot about fishing, a lot about hunting and things like that. So we didn't go back to church anymore after that. So after that at Overton, I, uh, I began to get f into physical things. I wrestled at Overton. I played football at Overton. We lived in a, we lived off Elysian Fields, which is over where the zoo is, off where Trousdale is, right from there. And Overton was kind of a, it was a, it was a weird texture of food, I mean people, because everybody on the Franklin Road side of the interstate were pretty well off. Pretty nice homes, well off. Everybody on the Elysian Fields, Trousdale side, we were, we were, you know, we, we were rich compared to the world, but we lived in two bedrooms, one bathroom houses and things like that. So there was six of us at the house. And you could only, I mean, I stayed after school every day, play football and wrestle just so I could get a shower at school. So I began to sports. I kept my grades. My grades were, they were decent, high C's, low B's, things like that. But I... Uh, just uh, wrestled, played football, and then I, I got to be a pretty good, decent wrestler. So I uh, remember at this age, too, 
and we could drink at the age of 18. So I began to drink about it when I was 16. And so I was drinking at that age and through like that. So, but I became a pretty good wrestler. So my senior year in high school, I received a letter from uh, UT Martin's wrestling coach and opened it up and it said, would you be interested in coming to school here? We, you know, uh, we would like for you to come make a visit. And uh, I had no idea where Martin was. I had never been north of Kentucky State Line, okay? I had wrestled in some wrestling tournaments in Clarksville and stuff and lived in Clarksville. But I'd never been north of that, so I never heard anybody from the north talk at that time. <laughs> so I, I was in a tournament that summer and was going to Grand Rego in the Marines. My first father was Green Beret. My second father was a Marine. Homer was a Marine. Tell me when I was in 11th grade, you, you'll never make it Marine, so don't even think about going there. So guess what? I was headed to the Marines. So he met me at a tournament that summer, and he said, um, we, uh, I have a half scholarship for you if you want to come to Martin and wrestle. And I said, okay, I'll do that. So I went to Martin, I wrestled there, and um, I would go, I went to Martin to wrestle, to chase women, and to drink beer, and then school was about the fourth thing I thought about. But I had to keep my grades up to stay in school. So I had to keep my grades up. So I did my, I took the basics, I started out in engineering. The second day in class, the professor was talking about some words in math that I had never heard before, so I had to drop, I dropped that class. And, when, and then I got into forestry, and the graduation rate was about 300, and there was like one or two jobs out there, so that wasn't very good either. So then I got into marketing, and I figured, you know, I could sell something for somebody. So, so I would go, and I would sit in the girls' dorm, and I would listen to, do, to women and stuff. I mean, women and girls would come in. They weren't women at that time. But I heard this voice, and I had never heard someone like that before. And like I told the teenagers a couple of weeks ago, she smutted me. It was unbelievable. I was, I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. So I, I finally got the courage up to ask her to go see a movie. And we went and saw North Dallas 40. I think it cost me 50 cents. It was a quarter apiece for us to see the movie. And then, so we went and we talked. And it was, I would, I was, all I was thinking about was going, sitting in the, in the area in the dorm and just listening to her talk. And we walked in, and as soon as we walked in, they go, Dawn, your mom and dad are on the phone. And this is back when it cost money to telephone. <coughs> so long distance phone calls. So she went to talk to them, and I went out the door. We didn't go out again after that. So I stayed at Martin a year, and the Title IX came in. I lost my scholarship. And then so I come to MTSU, and I wrestled a couple of years there. Yeah, I'm just surviving along through it and stuff like that. And then every now and then on the weekends, I would go to Martin and party, go back to Martin and party there, because it was a pretty good place to party. And then so finally my third year in high school, the third year in college, I said, you know what, this, this is not what I need to do. And so I started working construction. And uh, worked construction, quit school, and then on the weekends I would go back to Martin. So I went back, there was a beer joint there, and I walked in, and uh, some of the old friends were there that I went to school with and stuff like that. And I saw somebody sitting at the bar, 
And I said, I think I know her. And I had a cowboy hat on, I had a beard, and I walked over and I sat down beside her. And I said, do you remember me? And she looked at me and she goes, no. I said, you sure? She goes, yeah. I said, well, I'm Jeff Adcock. I own a construction company in Nashville. And she goes, well, I'm Don Wilson. Uh, my dad owns Wilson Sporting Goods. So right off the bat there, we both told each other's lies. <laughs> so, but I got to talking to her. I got to hurry up. Got to talking to her, and I said, could I write you and call you? And she goes, are you sure? I said, yeah, I, I, I would like to write you and call you. And she wrote her name down and her address and her phone number, and it's right there. I still have it. <laughs> so that's my two props. But we began today. She was from Chicago, and I was from Nashville, Tennessee. And we got married in 1979, August the 26th. And we got married in Chicago. And you talk about a party. People from Nashville, the hillbillies from Nashville, oh, it was crazy. It was the craziest thing in the world. My my family were they were uh, it was terrible. But, <laughs> so we got married and we started I was working construction. She was a dental hygienist and she's still a dental hygienist and I'm a wrestling coach now. But so we got married and we bought a little house and um, Alicia was born and when she was born I had worked up to where in construction I had a um, I had a truck, company truck, I had insurance, I had a 401k, and then um, I was on salary. So I had all these things. And my brother-in-law was working for FedEx at the time, and we were playing golf, and he said, listen, we're going from delivering from 12 o'clock till 10.30. Would you be wanting to, would you be willing to want to hire on with FedEx? I had no idea what FedEx was. I mean, I was in construction. I didn't know what FedEx did. And uh, I came home, and she had just had Alicia, and the dentist that she was working for said you could have three months off. Well, in six weeks, he called and he said, you need to come back to work. And she goes, no, I'm not, I'm not coming back to work. I'm going to stay off. He says, well, then I'm going to have to do something else. And she told him, you know, just do what you got to do. So I called her, my, her dad, and he said, there's sometimes you just need to make a change. So I left what I had as a in a construction company to go work for FedEx. I hired her on as temporary part-time. I had to work nine months without any insurance, without anything, as temporary part-time. And in nine months, I mean three months, I'm sorry, 90 days, then they would decide if they wanted me to work there or not. So I changed. I went to work for FedEx, and I stayed with them for 38 years. And I left them 2019. September. So I've been off. I've been retired for almost a year and a half now. And God took care of us as he always does. And that's where the main story is, is what we're getting ready to go into now is where God took us and changed us. And we, we lived in Antioch over by the lake, Percy Priest Lake. And we went to visit some friends of ours, Charlie Black, and they were going to Smith Springs Church of Christ. And they asked us, why don't y'all, because we weren't going to church. I mean, life was good. I mean, I was working, she was working, the children were happy, they were going, well, they were young, they weren't going to private school at the time, but they were four and two. 
And uh, so we went to Smith Springs, which was probably about a, a mile from our house. And uh, we walked in that door, and God grabbed hold of us. He had all of us already. He's been with <laughs> us the whole time, all along. But he grabbed hold of us, and he put us in that church. And we went every Sunday, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday. And we went on Wednesday nights because the Bible studies, but on Sunday nights we went because our children, once they got old enough to go into the youth program, they were in the youth program. We went to the youth program and stuff like that. While we were there, Ray and Nancy Vetter adopted us, and they were the parents of Tammy Sanders that was here. And then Tommy and Becky Holland were over the youth program at the time while we were there. And then we worked a lot with the youth and we worked a lot with camp, things like that. So Danny and Marty Hale were there, and I remember in Danny's classes him talking about the Holy Spirit. And then I would teach the high school class, and he would teach the Adele class. And I'd ask Danny, I said, Danny, this morning I was teaching in the class, and some things come out of my mouth that I had no idea were even in there. And he says, I know. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And I learned about the Holy Spirit there. And Ray and Nancy taught us about love. They taught us how to love each other, how to love others. Danny and Mar and then Randall and Patsy McGill, who was Steve McGill's dads, they taught us how to be servants, how to serve others and care for others and things like that. Uh, David Gaylor came to Smith Springs and began to teach grace, began to teach God's love and God's mercy. So we grew up in a church of Christ that taught grace. And it was incredible. Because we learned from the Bible from David Lawrence, who was also our Wednesday, I mean our Sunday night teacher. So we had two of the greatest preachers in the world, other than Josh, that we were able to there. So we stayed there 20 years. Our children grew up there. We grew up there. We became Christians. We became children of God at Smith Springs. And it was a beautiful place. We stayed there for about 20 years. Our children grew up there, went to camp there, went to youth, I mean, youth things and things like that. And then we, uh, Tana Michaels was the secretary there. And then her husband, Steve's parents were at the orphan's home when I was there. They were the, in the upper, they were in the big boys and they were the home parents of the big boys. And then when I met them then again at Smith Springs, it was just crazy how God takes us and puts people around us all the time. All we have to do is listen, and it's there. And uh, these were a couple of props that I bring this morning. I was also going to bring a radio in, I mean a, a boom box and a CD so you could hear um, a CD on it, but I, I, I'm glad I didn't bring it in because I'm about to run out of time. But Dawn and I have been married for 43 years, and we're still as love with each other as we were. The first time I was smitten by just listening to her voice. But our daughter, Alicia, uh, she married Carl Williamson when, he was, when she was 19. So you look at that, but they're still happily married. They became um, church planners in New Jersey, were there for 13 years, planted two churches there. Now Carl, our son-in-law, and our daughter are at Harding University, they're both professors there, and she is teaching Bible there to women, but she is teaching Bible there. And she is working on her doctoring now. And uh, Carl's a professor there, and he, he's an incredible young man. 
I love to hear him preach because when he gets fired up, man, he gets loud and he gets good. <laughs> and then Jefferson, our son, went to Brentwood Academy, then went to Samford and became a financial planner. And he, he works for Trust Corps, a company that's here in Brentwood. He has three beautiful children, Tyler, Holt, and Adelaide. And we got to babysit them last night. And it was great. And then Alicia has two daughters, Zoe and Ellie. And Zoe is driving in Arkansas. You can drive there when you're 14. So, but they both run cross country, and Alicia ran cross country and track when she was growing up. Carl ran cross country at Harding. That's where they met. Matter of fact, their first date was at a, a track, I mean, at a, um, a run um, on a Saturday morning. They both wanted turkey, and they were both in college. So, they, <laughs> what are you going to do with two frozen turkeys? <laughs> they gave them away. But, um, we were there at Smith Springs for about 20 years, and we began to get tired there. We began to fall asleep. And then so God said, it's time. And we had moved from, Smith, from the Anderson Road area to Edmondson Pike. And so we started looking for a church to go to. And it was hard. I mean, our family, our brothers and sisters and our parents were there at Smith Springs. And it was hard to leave, but we knew we had to leave. And then God... We, walked, we went, to, went to different churches, and we walked in to Otter Creek, and it was the same thing as we walked in. Brother Otis, when we walked into Smith Springs, looked at us and said, y'all need to be here. And we walked in, and Josh was just becoming the preacher and stuff, and we came to Otter Creek. And one of the things that has hurt me more than anything in the world was when I came to Otter Creek, they were going to let me go to church camp early because usually you had to be at Otter Creek for a year before they let you teach or anything else. When they got here, Dawn went here three weeks and they grabbed her to teach four-year-olds. And she had been teaching four-year-olds forever. So, and she's still teaching the young ones today. But I, I'd ask Jamin if I could go to camp that year. And I, we'd only been here like four or five months. And he said, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll squeeze you in. So I had to pass all the law tests and all that kind of stuff. But I was going to go, I was going to drive the bus Tuesday. Well, I was playing with the church softball team on Monday night, and I tore my quad muscles loose from my left knee. I was, I was she would make sure I told you that I was 54 at the year, at 54 years old at the time. I was playing with a bunch of 30-year-olds. I should not have been playing. I know I should not have been playing. So I got home, and I got scolded. I got scolded hard. So I had to call Jamin that night and tell him I couldn't drive the bus the next day. And I'm not literally, Don will tell you, I cried all night long because I had committed myself to do something and I couldn't do it. But we have been here at Otter Creek ever since and we love it. I still go to camp with the kids, I love it. And uh, Don still teaches the younger kids and stuff like that. And, uh, but this, it's a beautiful place. And I have a verse that I want, you, I want to read to you real quick and then we gotta get out of here. Matthew 19.25, Jesus had been talking to the disciples, telling them about divorce, about this, about that, you know. And then so he, a young man comes up and he says, Lord, this is a rich young man. He says, Lord, what can I do to get to heaven? He says, sell all your possessions. But I can't because it's mine. And he says, well, you've you got to give them up. So the disciples heard this. And when they... They were astonished at what was said. So they said to Jesus, Who then can be saved? 
And Jesus said back to them, most of, let me see, where am I at? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. There's no way we can work our way into heaven. We can't do it. But with God, everything is possible. So at the possibilities of us being here, way beyond our ever imagination. But God has brought us here, and we've been here. And I just thank you for being here this morning, and thank you for being at Otter Creek. And he has brought us all here together this morning to hear my story. And the thing about it is we all have stories. We all have stories. And it's just beautiful that we can share our stories together and things like that. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you have a beautiful voice.